I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Wynn waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will be joined by Kevin Charity from Mad Friars. They will tell you everything you need to know about the farm system, and they will take a look at who the team will select in next week's draft. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric Labou. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside my best friend and co-host, Eric Labou. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. As am I. We have a very special guest that we're going to introduce a little bit later on, but uh, we want to get into some Padres banter here. About the first five minutes or so, a lot going on over the last week. Who uh, are we introducing today? Maybe you should say that. Well, it's what happened to the tease. If you guys follow us on Twitter again, at 5.5Dan and at MiserableSDFan uh, on Twitter, we'll be interviewing uh, Kevin Charity of Mad Friars today, senior writer over at Mad Friars. We'll be bringing in, uh, go over the draft, go over some prospects and uh, things like that. Uh, but let's get into to the last week of Padre baseball. Number one, uh, that five-game win package, one down, four to go. Yes, Ron Fowler can't wait. Yes. He's counting down the days. I, I picture him as, you know, kind of you, you see the uh, show where you have the people, the old-school movies where you have people in prison and they're scratching the <laughs> the tallies, <laughs> scratching the tallies in jail. That's, that's Fowler counting down to five wins. You know what I think of him as? Do you remember the 1960s Batman? At all? Do yeah. you remember? Okay, so. I was born in 1990. Well, so was, oh, well, I was born in 86, but close <laughs> enough. So, I don't know if you know, but I think of Ron Fowler in like a suit, a top hat, like the penguin, with the, one of those like uh, like long uh, cigarette holders and a monocle, just sitting there going, meh, 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 one down. That makes sense. <laughs> Hoping that they sweep the next four game series at home. But really, if they lose and, you know, these people get to extend that five win package, that's more 1350 beers in uh, Uncle Ron's pocket. Yes, it is. That's and not the thing for him either. No, what are you talking about? He has a high price so people don't buy them. It's a yeah. brilliant marketing strategy by our uh by our uh, front man for the ownership, unfortunately. Yeah, Padres swinging a miss. <laughs> yes, per usual. Uh some other news, Trevor Cahill has been MIA. Does yeah, anybody... where the where is he? No idea. No idea. Mm-hmm. I think he went on the deal with a back injury, I'm guessing, because I haven't seen it in a while, but I have no idea where he's at. Yeah, he hurt his back carrying the pitching staff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Jared Cosart blew out, uh, which means now we transition into Miguel Diaz possibly getting a start on Saturday. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, someone was saying that uh, Cosart, so he went to the 10 day. There's a few things that went on. And then I think they put, who did they put to the 60 day? Oh, they moved, um, God, who just got hurt? Uh, was it Caps? No, whatever. Anyways, they move someone to 60 day, um, and I then it, to take Cosart's place, they're going to have Miguel Diaz possibly make his first start. I, to be honest, I mean, we're it doesn't matter. Yeah, who cares? First of all, it doesn't matter. But I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it personally because I don't think he's ready for it. Like let's let's get him to a point where he's dominating in a relief role before we give him the rock to start the game. Yeah, but I mean, that's all, just me. In all fairness. Perdomo wasn't ready either. Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of threw him in there because they had nobody. So I don't see why not. I mean, he came up as a starter anyway. So 
what does it hurt? It's not like they have anybody else, you know, banging down the door in the minors. I don't want to see Zach Lee or Tyrell Jenkins or uh, Christian Friedrich who's working his way back. No, thanks. Yeah. Just give me the kid with some upside. I'd rather watch that. Well, worst case scenario, and Friedrich made a start. I believe it was your last night or he's making a start tonight um, for double-A um, double San Antonio. Worst case scenario, Diaz goes out there. He gets rocked or he walks the world. He has a bad start. Two or three innings, and we burn our bullpen for one day. That's worst case scenario. Don't I they mean, have guys like long release. Oh no, they'll just bring in Stammen for three or four oh, innings. Can't wait. <laughs> Love me some Craig Stammen. Hi, Stammen. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, God, he sucks. Yeah. Uh, I feel bad for the broadcast because their job is to try to talk the guys up. You know, Stammen's been pretty solid, and I haven't looked at the numbers, but he gets a lot of innings in to have a five ERA. I don't think that's. Uh, that's working out too well, but he's eating innings, so and yeah. who cares? Embrace the tank, right? Yeah. Um, in other news, Hunter Renfro continues to impress. I've got good news, Eric. He's okay. considered a league average hitter, finally. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> finally. I know that sounds miserable, but this is a guy who was really awful in April. They had like a 260 on base. Yeah. So he's almost there. Uh, but uh, he's getting there, flirting with the 300 on base. Had a two-homer night last night. Car rushed yes. on both home runs. Absolutely. The Man. first one being the most impressive. Oh, yeah. But I actually, I think the second one was equally as impressive, dude. Like, it was just a line shot. Yeah. A line shot. And I like the majestic home runs. That's why. I do, too, man. That one that he hit up. Uh, top tank Western Metal the other day. That was that was awesome. Oh, it was now, hammered. Here's here's kind of, and I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not expecting it to happen, but and I put it on Twitter last night. Knowing how sensitive the players are these days, that second home run trot was kind of slow. Granky's on the mound today. I wouldn't be surprised if Renfro wears one. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't think it's going to happen. But knowing knowing how sensitive these pitchers are, the snowflakes that are up <laughs> on the mound, I guarantee it's going to happen, dude. I'm calling my shot. I right wouldn't now. doubt it because he's a rookie and he hasn't earned the right. Yeah, you know, and they stuff. were down 10-1, and yeah. when he connected, they were down 10-2, and he kind of took a while to get around the bases. Yeah, but. well, I feel like the first one was more offensive because he had a more uh, like uh, a, a bigger bat flip. Like he, yeah. he threw the bat about five feet. About five feet on the first one. Well, I like that because he's gaining the confidence. And he's got 14 home runs. He might hit yeah. 30. Yeah. So if he can get right around the 300, 310 on base, great job, Hunter Redfro. Yes. So very impressed with him. Uh, what we're going to do next is go ahead and move into our segment, Down on the Farm. Hit it, Eric. It's time to check on in Down on the Farm with Danny and Eric. All right. So we are very happy to introduce our uh, special guest today calling in. Uh <laughs> Pete Ryder from Mad Friars and a good friend of mine, Kevin Charity. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we are very excited. You are actually the first special guest we've ever had. How does it feel? Uh, what do I get for it? Uh, well, you get to, uh, we'll plug you on uh, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you might get three was, clicks was, from oh, that. I, I, I was holding out for a gift card to uh, Boot World, but yeah, that's well, what I'll do. You know where I work, so you know that a gift card probably isn't going to be in my budget. I think Ryan Klesko put Boot World out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those commercials. Yeah. So, uh, so Kevin, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you do at Mad Friars, how you got in there, and uh, what uh, you're currently up to there. Um, yeah, so I've been a writer on Mad Friars. This is my third season, so um, really just kind of random happened. Uh, I was writing for a few different sites, you know, just for fun. And, you know, uh, John Conniff, who runs Mad Friars, has ran Mad Friars for, I think, since 2004 or something like that. Uh, maybe, I'm not sure, but it was a long time. But uh, he just basically saw me on Twitter, like, hey, if you want to write for us, come on over. And I did. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's not like a an amazing story. It's not like something I, you know, went out of my way to do, but it's it's been a really good experience this far. Um, 
what we do there is basically every every day we have a farm recap where we just kind of pick a couple players, pick out some standout performances, study kind of what's going on, what players you should should look out for, and then we do uh, kind of features on players' interviews. Uh, I just did one on, on Cal Quantrill last week, and so we've had some interviews up this week. Uh, John recently went to Fort Wayne, so he had some, some interviews there. Uh, Fernando Tatis has interviewed pretty recently, so stuff like that. It's just basically a place where if you're a Padres nerd that like likes the minor leagues and at this point being that the major league product is so poor that yeah you should probably be more interested in the doings on the farm uh that's so that's pretty what we do in, in a nutshell yeah and everyone check it out uh madfriars.com um you can get a subscription it's like four bucks a month which i mean yeah, it's, it's pretty cheap yeah. i mean it, it put down the coffee for one day you're good man exactly exactly or in my case put down the burrito for one day <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're you getting a burrito for four dollars yeah, well, Los Primos. me and Danny are going in halves. It's a rough time. <laughs> yeah, it's a rough time. Single dad, <laughs> single dad. Um, but yeah, Eric actually subscribed you a three-month package for 14 bucks. Yep. That's not bad, guys. Unless you want to go pay 30 bucks a month for ESPN, you can just go on Mad Friars and get Padre-related uh, news exclusively from Mad Friars. Um, so yeah, even if you don't want to pay the money, I mean, you think the farm recaps we have every day are free. Even if you're not going to subscribe, at the very least, you should do that because it'll tell you, yeah, you're, you, I think a lot of people know the, you know, the, the the bigger names, the Tatises of the world, um, but you also will get some stuff about kind of under the radar guys uh, and then people that you should just know that are that maybe aren't getting the uh, the prospect bill, but it's it's still fun to follow. I mean, for me, I mean, part of the the reason why I do it is you know the major league product has been so bad most of my life that the miners have always represented hope. <laughs> it's still, it's like, yeah. hey, like. This, this current product is pretty bad, but, you know, hey, this Fernando Tatis guy, maybe he's a shortstop of the future, and that's kind of how, unfortunately, to keep ourselves sane is how we have to pull up Padres baseball these days. Yeah, agreed. And, I mean, for me, honestly, I've always kind of been more of the, like, what's going on with at the major league level. And just recently, within the last couple of years, I've really gotten into the farm and, you know, the future that we have coming up. Because I do think it's bright. So what I want to hop into here is what's going on with Anderson Espinosa? I feel like we haven't heard anything about him at all. It's been so hush. I mean, where is he in his progress that you know? Um, what's going on with him? There has not been a lot of information that we've we've received on him. Um, it was just kind of bizarre because I, I went up on opening day uh, back in April with the assumption that he was going to start. Um, it wasn't something that was announced or anything, but you know we went up there to me and David J, who's one of the other writers for for Mad Fires, went up there and uh, Joey Lucchese had thrown and and they had everybody in town and nobody was really. They just saying, oh, it's just a forearm strain. It's it's not a big deal. Um, you know, it's almost it's June 7th, and he still hasn't thrown. Um, from my understanding, he was supposed to start a throwing program at some point in June. I haven't received, we haven't really heard anything, you know, any progress on that currently. So as of right now, I, I have no idea. Anybody's guess is as good as mine. I, I'm hoping. And, and, and what we've heard, though, is it's not, and, and I, we've heard this before, but it's not like a case of Tommy John or something that's super serious and people should panic about, but... Yeah, like it's June 7th, and I'm pitch. It's a little concerning, but the information's been very, very kind of uh, sporadic. Uh, 
I would say, would be the right word. No surprise there. The Padres are withholding medical information from the media on one of their top <laughs> players. Uh, moving on, guys we have heard a lot about, um, and I know you've spoken uh, about them and written about them at length, is uh, both Eric Lauer and uh, Joey Fuego, Joey Lucchese, who have both done really well in Elsinore their first year. They were obviously uh, high four college picks. When do you see those guys moving up after the performances they've been uh, doling out there? We've kind of speculated that once the season hits the second half, which should be coming up here very soon, like the next week or two, you could see them bumped up. Um, we've kind of thought about like how last year El Paso was kind of the team that, that had a chance to win and had a chance to kind of give a lot of their younger players that experience. That San Antonio would be that team this year. Um, they're currently, as of right now, the only team in the system with a winning, with a winning record. Uh, so we've kind of speculated that, you know, they lost, they just lost Kyle Lloyd who, who got promoted to AAA so that they could kind of supplement that rotation and add, uh, Lucchese and Lauer. Um, both have been really, really good in the first half. My guess is if, if they're going to move them up, I would say probably, I would say within the next two weeks because the all-star breaks are coming up for, for most of the, the groups. But yeah, both of them have been really impressive. Uh, both kind of different type of left-handers, but Lucchese kind of has that funky delivery. He can he throws harder than I think your typical lefty does. He can hit 93 if he, if he needs to. He typically works in the low 90s, but he has a really good off-speed pitch. And I think the kind of funk is really throwing hitters off. Or the the first the couple first couple times I've seen him this year, he's just been really good with you know getting strikeouts off the fastball, having and working his breaking ball. And Lauer is just kind of. Yeah, you're more kind of typical lefty, throws four different pitches, fastball, low 90s, but, you know, he can get it up there a little bit more than he has to, but he has a really good changeup, and I think that's kind of what he's been getting a lot of his strikeouts with, but both of them, like I said, if I had to guess, I would say June June 20th would be kind of like the over-under on that because both of them are going to be in the Cal League All-Star game. They probably want to give them that experience and then maybe move them on after that. Oh God, that makes a lot of sense to let them get at least to the All-Star game uh, and moving them up because obviously there's no rush to get them up here, um, even though I think both guys will eventually make the Major League roster, I would say, in the next calendar year and a half. Uh, that does bring me to Quantrill, who's also, um, I think, outside of one start Eric went to where he was okay, but for the most part has been pretty dominant in his first full season back. Do you think he could be a part of that crop? That could be a trifecta that they move up, Quantrill going with them? Or do you think they're going to be a little bit more conservative? I think personally they're going to be a little bit more conservative with him. Um, he's a guy that is, I, you know, not to, not, I'm not going to do a, the Rich Herrera game drop here, but I have talked <laughs> on a few different on a few different occasions. And the thing that really impresses me about him, and it kind of is redundant, being that he has a degree from Stanford, but he's extremely smart and just he just kind of has an intensity about him where he's just he kind of he has this you could just tell by just having a conversation with him that he really is just focused on what he wants to do and one of the starts I saw this year was the 12 strikeout Oof. performance he had against Rancho Cucamonga where they had Jock Peterson and Logan Forsythe in the you know in the in the order and Logan Forsythe just looked like some A-ball organizational kid that had no chance against him um, gets ahead with a fastball has a really good changeup. The curveball is improving a lot. Um, he threw a couple of really good snappers that night where they, they were they were moving really down there, uh, you know, the 12 to 6 motion where they were, a couple of them were just filthy. Um, he's probably, in my opinion, 
you know, if he's not the top prospect in the system now, he's top two or three for me. Um, I'm just, but he's just a guy that, that overall has really impressed me. Smart guy. Um, he's got a lot of poise on the mound. He's super competitive. Uh, he could be the one that's left back now. He hasn't really shown any, um, you know, any issues from the Tommy John surgery. But I still think. So all three of them really win their first competitive seasons. I don't think that they're going to throw a ton of any, especially Quantrill, just because Lucchese and Lauer had the benefit last year of, of throwing over 100 innings in college, and Quantrill didn't. So my my, th- my thought is that Quantrill will probably stay most of the year in Elsinore, but I could be wrong on that one. Yeah, that would make sense, and I can see how they would kind of be hesitant to push him through like that. Um, now, with with Lauer and Lucchese, now if they do get called up to Double uh, A, then obviously that creates a little bit of a domino effect. Who do you see coming up from Fort Wayne? Well, they already have like what a six man rotation <laughs> in uh, in Lake Elsinore. So do they do they keep it uh, a five man at that point, or do they bring up like a Logan Allen? I know he's been really good at Fort Wayne. Do they bring him up to kind of fill in a spot? I think eventually they have to bring up Logan Allen. He's kind of falling into the, the boat where he's just he's too good for low A. Um, he just got named to the Midwest League All Star team All Star team today. So again, I think giving him that experience, we saw a couple of guys last year move up after that. Um, yeah, I mean if they move up Lauer and McKay, they could still go to the six man rotation and, and bring up a Lauer. They could throw in an organizational guy like Adrian De Horta, who's kind of going to win the Miguel Bell Castillo Award for most uh, teams played with in one season. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fake award I made up for a journeyman catcher they've had in their system since 2009 who played for uh, five different teams in the system last year. DeHorta's at three. So, wow. Is that um, Rocky Gale? He, 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 yeah, Rocky, Rocky Gale's probably my favorite player in the, in the system just because he's the only guy left that is a Tucson, was a Tucson Padre and a Portland Beaver. <laughs> so he's the best of both worlds. But no, like Logan Allen is just, he's at that point where he, he's got a, he's kind of like a, a crafty lefty, but better. Um, below 90s fastball, but can get it up uh, to like 95, 96 if he has to. Really good off speed stuff. He's averaging like something like 12 strikeouts for 90 innings. He's just, but his last start was probably his worst one. He still struck out eight, and he just couldn't get out of the fifth inning. Uh, in in Elsinore, and kind of what they've done with the organization this year with guys like uh, like Quantrill and like Lauer is they've let them kind of get deeper into games. Um, and Logan Allen is through ninety seven pitches in his last outing, so I think he's at that point where he can he's probably going to be the next one that comes up. Um, outside of him, I mean, I don't really see anybody in Fort Wayne on the pitching staff. Uh, at least from a from a merit standpoint of, of getting a promotion, he would be the guy. Jerry Keel was the other one, but he's already got gone had a double and pitch really well. They can always bump him back to, to Elsinore, but I think yeah, I, I definitely think that Lauer and, and Lucchese are gonna be prom- promoted sooner than later. And I would expect Logan Allen to fill at least one spot. Maybe they go to a five man rotation, but it seems like they've kind of done a six man rotation this year. Um last year for example, they had uh, Allen and Austin Smith piggybacking where they go three or four innings a pop. And this year they're kind of like, okay, well, we'll go seven innings, six, seven innings with some of these guys. Lauer has gone seven innings a few times as we have some cases. And we'll just give him that extra day. They flip Quantrill around in the rotation a few times to where he's got eight or nine days off. So I think that's kind of what they're doing as opposed to 
just letting guys throw 60 or 70 pitches. Yeah, it makes sense. I actually like that approach because you get a guy on a regular schedule, you still get a lot of starts out of him, but you give him an extra day off to let them heal as they develop. Uh, sticking with uh, Fort Wayne, they got a lot of talent down there. A lot of the kids they drafted last year were picked up, um, like Tatis, Onya, Potts. Um, do you have any likes or dislikes on the offensive side of the roster, like things that you see or a guy that particularly you're focused on that you think could really be an impact player in a couple of years? Yeah, just with Fort Wayne, um, the kind of – disclaimer with them that you have to look at is that they have four 18-year-olds and a 17-year-old on their opening day roster and if you look at their record right now, I think they had as of a couple of days ago, they had the second worst winning percentage in all of minor league baseball with only the uh, uh, the Augusta Green Jacket which is one of the dumber names in minor league baseball <laughs> to play on the, on the Masters I think it's a giant low A team but they're the only team in minor league baseball that had a worse winning percentage than the team caps you know, obviously wins and losses aren't the most important thing in player development, but the Tin Caps have struggled offensively. I think a lot of it is just guys are talented, they're just overmatched. Um, Jorge Onya has been the best hitter on that team. Uh, doesn't have a lot of home runs. He's only got three, but uh, has really hit the ball hard. Uh, he's still young. He's still only 19, so he's still young even for that league, I think. People think of him as, as maybe being older and more experienced just because of the experience he had in the international tournaments and stuff. He's still a guy that's really, really young. Um, he's looked really good. Um, he looked so good in the future game I saw him last year. He looked kind of like he should be playing linebacker for the, the <laughs> L.A. Of, of Carson Chargers versus the uh, the Padres, but he looked a lot better this year. Um, Tatis has been, has been phenomenal. Um, he's kind of hit a slump the last couple weeks, but... He went through a stretch where he got his average all the way up to 289, was hitting the ball, reducing strikeouts, hitting for power. He's looked good at shortstop. He's been impressive. Um, one guy who's really under the radar in Fort Wayne that I like a lot is the catcher, Marcus Green. He's a guy that got in the full uh, venable grade. Uh, he's a guy that has a little bit of power, um, but has been really the only guy who hasn't struck out at like a ridiculous rate this year in the team. He makes contact. He's got some pop. I think he kind of, to me, Profiles is like a guy that could be a backup catcher in the big leagues just because he's kind of the guy that can, you know, hit some pretty, for some power. Um, he's kind of the guy that's under the radar. And then some of the other guys that have, if you look at the numbers, they struggle, but I think they're better than they have it. Like Jack Zawinski, who they drafted in the 15th round last year. Um, I think he's like leading the Midwest League. He was as a week ago. Um, things changed, obviously, but their uh, media guy, John, John, John Nolan, who's their play by play guy as well, put a stat in like one of the things that they send to the media where he's averaging like over five pitches at bat, which is leading the league, which is really impressive to me for an 18 year old. You would be overall numbers there. He's hitting like 215, but I think for a guy at that age to have that type of approach already, when he, this kid was playing high school ball last year in, in the Midwest is pretty impressive. Um, those are some of the guys that I, I've watched on the, on the offensive side, but if you look at this, there's, there's some really ugly numbers over there for sure. But I think you just have to kind of look at players on an individual basis, kind of look at what they're doing. Plus is another guy that you can totally see the talent there, but strikeout to walk ratio is pretty abysmal. It's, you know, he's striking out 10 or 11 times for every walk he's taking. So that's, that's not obviously going to be sustainable as he moves the track. But again, he's a guy that was in high school last year and you kind of have to, I want to say take the numbers with a grain of salt, but you kind of have to put an asterisk next to him. 
Yeah, definitely. Now you were saying, uh, going back to what you were touching on with the the age and how the the age down there is very, um, you know, they're very young down in Fort Wayne. Now specifically with Tatis Jr. and really especially with Onya, because overall I feel like his numbers are very solid. Do you see them just letting them ride out the season in Fort Wayne, or do you maybe see them being promoted up to Elsinore? I would be shocked if Tatis was just because he is so young and he's a guy that hasn't had a lot of experience. I think, to me, it's more beneficial to leave him in Fort Wayne for the whole year. Um, now, if they kind of decide that Elsinore you know, wants a playoff push, if maybe they bring him up at the end of the season, that might be different. Onya, I think, if, if I were betting, I, I would think that he's going to get a call to Elsinore at some point. Um just because, again, he's a guy that is hitting really well, is 19, and they may want to push him. But my, my gut would say, honestly, I don't think either one's going to get from her. I think they're going to spend the whole year four away, but Onya is leaps and bounds more likely to. Um, Tatis, I would be like shocked if he got promoted to, to Elsinore this year. Yeah, so speaking on uh, promotions, I, I think they're all, like you said, they're basically high schoolers playing uh, down there. Um, a guy that's been yeah, playing exactly. really well. Yeah, a guy that's been playing really well of late. Uh, he's been in the system for a couple of years now. He's kind of up and down on the scouting reports, uh, but lately he's been on fire. Is uh, Michael Geddes? Do you see him possibly getting moved up out of Elsinore, maybe getting a shot in Double uh, A? And do you see anything progressing with him that's a little bit different on the scouting that's been uh, said in the past of him? Not really. I, I honestly thought. After the season ended last year, that he had started this year in Double A, uh, to the Arizona Fall League, he was pretty pretty bad. He hit like 150 with just a ridiculous amount of strikeouts. And this year, if you look at his overall numbers, you're like, well, those are pretty solid. But most of that's been done last week. He had a three home run game last week in, in San Jose in their stadium that was built during the the Roosevelt administration. Uh, <laughs> uh, that ball, I, I never really looked, thought of that place as a, as a hitter's park, but Quantrill gave the first three home runs and given up all year there, and Getty's hit four in the series. So half of his home runs have been hit in the last, you know, seven to ten days. Uh, he's still striking out way too much. If, his strikeout rate is right now about 35%, which is wow. obviously awesome. ridiculous. I think he's leading all of minor league baseball strikeouts. That was a couple weeks ago. He's already struck out like 84 times this year, and we've only in June. He's on pace to strike out. You know, it's all there, 140, 150, 160 times. Um, until that gets improved, I can't see him being promoted. With that being said, though, like, I, we did our top 30 list. I think I was a high man on him. I had him number five, um, and I still believe in his talent just because if you watch him play, he's in incredible shape. Is an amazing athlete. Like he can play the outfield as good as anybody in the system, in my opinion. Has an above-average arm. Has a lot of raw power that you don't necessarily see in games, but you'll see it in batting practice where he'll hit some of the the the, the most uh, majestic home runs that you that anybody on that team is hitting. Um, he's a guy I, I believe in. I don't know if he's ever going to hit enough to make himself a star, but with his talent and just his overall. Um, makeup, I really, really like him. Um, but I, until he can make more contact, I just don't see how you can take, put him in double A and have him go against guys that are more advanced, that are, you know, that are, to throw sharper breaking balls. And I think, cause I think that's the biggest problem is he has a lot of trouble with the breaking ball. But yeah, he's a guy that I, I still believe in. It, my belief in him in terms of anybody that writes about Padres prospects. And again, not saying that, you know, 
I'm, I'm a genius or a scout by any means. He's a guy that I, I still have a lot of belief in. Um, but I think, and again, he's he's cut back a little bit, but it's still pretty ridiculous. And again, I think sending him to double A at this point would be setting up to fail. Yeah, you know it's always it's always interesting. You always want to say, "Hey, we got a guy that leads the league in fill in the blank," but not strikeouts. Yeah. Not strikeouts. <laughs> that's, not, yeah. that's not the one you want to put in. Yeah, he, they have. Uh, yeah, he, he, but he's a guy that I think can hit twenty twenty five home runs at his peak. He's just I don't. What I've always kind of said he would be would be like a guy that would hit like two forty two fifty, but hit twenty five bombs and play above average defense. I feel yeah. like I he's a little That's venerable. what his feeling is. Yeah, and that, exactly. And I think that plays, but I don't think he's there. There are some people out there that I think when he was drafted that throughout Mike Trout comps, which is just ridiculous. I don't <laughs> think he's you know going to be Mike Trout, but I really I have, I have a lot of belief in him. He's still a guy that if I redid my top prospect list today, he I'd still if I didn't have him in my top five, he would definitely be in my top like eight. Yeah, if you were to redo your prospect list as well, I'm assuming Javier Guerra would be much lower. Am I right on that? <laughs> Javier Guerra is, um, the way it reminds me of is kind of his prospect status. Is if you've seen Happy Gilmore, which I'm assuming both oh, yeah, has. Of course. When he plays in that program with uh, Bob Barker, he starts off at the top, and then as the, the round <laughs> keeps progressing, he just keeps getting lower and lower on that board, and finally the guy just throws him on the ground and just this guy sucks. <laughs> um, I don't want to go that far with Garrett, but he's a guy that... So the thing with Garrett is I've seen, over the last year that he's been in Elsinore, I've seen probably 30 or 40 of his at-bats, and I've seen him hit the ball hard twice. Um, he's looked a lot better at the plate this year, I'll give him that. And in the field, he's looked amazing. He's made a couple of plays where you were like a big league shortstop may not even make that play. There was one play where a guy on Rancho Cucamonga, I can't remember who it was, but he just hit this like screaming liner up the middle. Garrett moves to his left, dies for it, catches it, and starts a double play. Um, there's a couple of ones where a ball was hit way deep into the hole, almost in the outfield grass. Garrett fields it, makes a strong throw to first. It was on the money right there. Um, he looked better at the plate this year, but again, when you look at the overall numbers, I mean, look at a guy like Gettys. Gettys is striking out 35% of the time, but he's still providing some type of offensive value. Look at his overall line. He's hitting 270, 350, 360 on base percentage with some pop. Garrett's hitting 219 and striking out a ridiculous amount of time. At this point, I I don't know how much longer, how much of a leash you're going to give him, especially because he's occupying a precious 40-man roster spot. Uh, he's a guy that I just... If you would have asked me going into the until last year from everything that I've read on him, I would have said, yes, this guy is unequivocally the shortstop of the future, and now I'm saying that I don't think he's going to get out of A-ball. That's just my personal opinion. He just, and he's been through a lot. I know he had some, some issues with some anxiety stuff, but he just, until he can stop striking out at a ridiculous rate, he's just not going to be a guy that they can, in all good conscience, view as a prospect, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you there for sure. I've, I was really high on him when we first got him, but then afterwards kind of kind of dwindled down hope. But someone in the middle infield who I have a lot of hope in and I believe in a lot is through um, with double-A. Through double-A, through this part in the season, one of the best hitters consistently in double-A, and that's Luis Urias. I personally feel like he should get a, a September call-up, but what do you think about Urias and how he's done this this year and what holds in the future for him? So it's funny, going back to like 2015, which is the first year, and I, and I think I've learned a lot about how to kind of evaluate players and look beyond stats and kind of 
physical makeup in some things and just kind of take a guy for what he is. So I'll give you an example. Like when I was in, started doing this in 2015, I did a prospect list of top 30 and I had Urias at like number 28. Um, like in Fort Wayne that year, he was, I think 16 or 17. I think he was 17 is when they first brought him up and he hit like 280, 290, no power. And I'm like, oh, this guy is just a punch and Judy, tiny kid. And now looking in two years later, he has become, he's like, gotten huge physically hit the ball for power he's probably in my opinion over the last year and a half he's been the most impressive prospect in the, in the system bar none all the guy does is hit you, you send him to to a ball last year and Nelson he's 18 years old he's going against guys that have you know that are 22 23 that are advanced and he wins a batting title wins the MVP wins rookie the year, basically wins every major award in the league <laughs> yeah. and then and then it comes up to double A and continues to have more walks and strikeouts it's, you know he's never going to be a guy that's going to hit for home runs um, but he's a guy that it just drives the ball to the gap he, he's got a little bit more pop than you think um, there was a play last year where he uh, in the game I don't know if you guys saw that but like those, those couple balls he hit into the gap I can agree on that. I think uh, it's it's pretty slam dunk. At some point, Urias will be up, whether he's a band-aid at short in the short term while they figure that out with uh, Cordoba or Tatis or, you know, the everyday second baseman. Uh, what I want to ask you next, Kevin, is do you have any under-the-radar prospects? You would mentioned there's some guys uh, that uh, you like that you don't really hear about that Mad Friars will profile every now and then. And Eric and I have talked uh, at length uh, about the system is so deep with high upside kids that are, you know, not even legal to drink that a lot of the other prospects who are a little bit higher floor um, kind of get drowned out and whereas other systems they get a little bit uh, more notice is there anybody you know specifically under the radar that you were infatuated with that you wish got some more looks and think could be a, a guy that could help the big club there are a few guys that kind of come to mind with that um, it's just kind of funny too just on what you said about there's so many guys when I did the first prospect list in 2000 after the 2015 season I legitimately had 24, 25 guys for 30 spots. So some guys snuck in there that probably shouldn't have. And then doing it this last off season, I legitimately had 50 to 50, 55 guys that I legitimately could have put in that I left out. Um, I didn't really include a lot of the J2 kids because I don't, I haven't seen them and everything you hear kind of is firsthand or secondhand information where it's just speculation. But a couple of guys that kind of come to mind are uh, the first one is Ty France. Um, 
I don't think he's ever really been considered a prospect. He was a 34th round pick out of 2015. He's a guy I thought state, just randomly going to state games, and I thought he was, oh, this is a nice player. He's kind of stocky, but he's a guy that always hit. Um, it's pretty impressive that a guy drafting the 34th round is hitting 371 in double A this year. Uh, he's limited at bats. But his career on base percentage in the Padre system is over 400, where I don't care where you're drafted. I don't care how much power you have or, or, or what your scouting report is, what your body type is. If you can put consistently a 400 on base percentage in the minor leagues, that's impressive. Um, and he's not doing it like in short season ball. I mean, he did it. He, he had a good run in, in low A last year. He came up to Elsinore last year and was great down the stretch. He's been great. In double A this year, he's hitting 371. The, the, the funny part is he's actually walking way less in double A, but hitting for more power. Um, he's a first baseman, third baseman. Um, I kind of like to see if, if he could actually just hang in the outfield, kind of like an Alex Dickerson, and just be kind of like a super utility bat. But he's a guy that I personally believe will be a big leaguer. Don't think he'll be a star, but I think he's a guy that you can see as an up and down guy. And if you can get that guy in the 34th round, that's a pretty big victory. From there, um, a couple other guys that kind of come to mind on, on the pitching side. One's Jerry Keel. He was the senior signing uh, 2015. They gave him, I think he signed for $10,000. He's a ninth round pick. He's a, a senior. Where that's that. kind of what sucks when you're a college senior. It's like, it's like here you go, dude. Uh, either you take this uh, $1,000 we're going to offer you, or you can go work at State Farm. It's that's <laughs> that type of situation where, of course, the guy's going to take whatever you offer him, but. Um, he started out in the bullpen and has kind of worked his way into the rotation. Was in Fort Wayne this year just mainly because they had so many guys in Elsinore, but he's a guy that is six foot six lefty, doesn't throw particularly hard, has a good breaking ball, but everywhere he's gone, he's put up results. Um, and he's just been impressive. He's a guy that I think is he's a pretty smart dude. Um, I talked to him a few years ago, and uh, when he was in Tri City, was impressed by him. Um, really like him a lot. And then, and if you go to the bullpen, which I think. When you look at some of these teams that are that are being built and what the Royals blueprint is, which I think is what the Padres should be following, is they built that with a with a with a bullpen and uh, a couple of guys like Trey Wingenter uh, in San Antonio. He's been the closer there this year. He throws in the mid to high nineties. I was a college kid. They drafted out of Auburn, I think, in like the eighteenth round or something a few years ago. But he's a guy that relievers can get to the big leagues so quickly because they don't have to develop all the secondary pitches, but he's a guy that really is impressive and as this team like you said, the Craig Stammons of the world nobody wants to see those guys he's a guy that I would not be shocked if he got some type of opportunity later in the season along with still Nathan, who I don't really feel like is an under the radar guy necessarily because he's cracked most of those top 30 lists that you see, your top 20 lists um, he's in El Paso, he's been really lights out the last you know six weeks or so is a closer down there. I, he's probably a guy that will get an opportunity this year. Doesn't throw particularly hard. Wasn't really impressive in college as a starter. They moved into the bullpen. Um, he has what the the spin rate of fastball is is really good, and that's what the the, the kind of appeal with him is. I, he's a guy that it, it, the thing that just jumps out at you right away is his strikeout totals. He still, I think, has a Northwest League. Uh, all-time record. His pro debut struck out almost 16 batters for nine innings in, in Tri-City, and it's just basically put up similar numbers, and it's all the way in AAA. This is a guy that was drafted in the 20th round two years ago, and he's not just in AAA. He's an organizational guy. He's in AAA because he's earned it. 
Yeah, we've talked about uh, Maton as well, so I think you're right with the Padres' bullpen and flex and them having some valuable pieces. I could see him getting moved up. Uh, in terms of continuing to uh, to build the system, the draft is coming up. So we have a fan question from uh, one of our most loyal listeners. Andy Mazzone, uh texted us earlier on the uh, fan hotline uh, text message uh, phone number. High-speed sports wire. Yeah, the high-speed sports wire. <laughs> yeah, it's two questions and a bunch of dick pics, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. I looked through the questions. Eric filters out the rest. Um, but uh, he did have a draft question. So obviously I think everybody knows Hunter Green is the top talent in the draft. Uh, we're hearing that the Twins are not going to take him. They're going to go with, uh, I think, a college high upside college arm. Obviously, the Padres want Green. I highly doubt he goes to uh, the Padres pick at three. I don't see the Reds passing him up. So what I've read is that it's either going to be Green, or not Green, but McKay, Gore, or a shortstop named uh, Royce Lewis. Does Mad Friars heard anything? Have you heard anything on where the Padres are leaning uh, in terms of uh, their spot in the draft, assuming Green is gone? Um, they haven't really tipped their hand. Um, we did... Uh an interview with their scouting director, Mark Connor a few weeks ago. I think they talked more about strategy than specific players. Um, I think the best hope for the Padres getting Connor Green is that somebody goes into the draft room and, and goes Nancy Kerrigan on, on the Reds GM so that he can't pull the trigger on Hunter Green. Because <laughs> um, I don't see another scenario where they, where they don't take him. Um, with that being said, I think it's funny because, I mean, if you listen, I listen to a lot of the Baseball America podcasts, and they're the only major publication that has Hunter Green falling to the Padres. Uh, they did a podcast a few weeks ago where they had three or four of them in a, in a room, and they were just kind of doing like a mock draft of the top five picks, and a couple of them had Hunter Green going to three, but some of them even had him going to four to Tampa, uh, just because they think that the Reds are going to go get McKay. Uh, it's, it's funny, because when you look at the draft and kind of go to the top players, Kyle Wright has been a guy that's kind of distanced himself. I think the Twins, who... I would have said coming into the season, we're kind of in a similar boat with the Padres where they just need a whole rebuild. All of a sudden, they're contending. And a guy like Kyle Wright, while he doesn't help that team this year, it may help them next year because he's, you know, from all things I've read, is pretty advanced. And obviously, when you you draft a college arm, they can generally get to the system a little bit faster. Uh, however, the Reds, from things I've read as well, also like McKay, but they – it's funny because I've never heard him talked about more as a, as a hitter than as a pitcher. Uh, I think everything we I had heard up until like the last month was that he was going to get drafted as a pitcher, and that's where he was going to be kind of, uh, you know, that was going to be his, his ticket to the big league. He's going to do it as a, as a left-handed, essentially a left-handed Mike Leak. Kind of what the comp, comps I had I read on him are. But uh, now that, you know, the draft is getting closer, everything has pointed at him as being more of a hitter, which if you're the Reds, I mean taking a guy there at number two doesn't sound that enticing, so obviously Hunter Green is there, but Hunter Green, if I were if I made a draft board and I was the GM, he would be number one on my board just because of that big fastball that he has, he's 18 but he could also play shortstop, which tells me he's a great athlete uh, he's the guy that I I as a fan want very badly to be, you know, to add that type of upside and that type of ability to the 30 deep system but he's probably not going to be there. Um, from there, I mean, Mackenzie Gore is a guy who has come up, and I know that the Padres have seen him a lot. So he's a guy that can is another left-hander that can throw hard, uh, really good mechanics from what I've heard for, for such a young kid. He's a guy that I think is probably going to be the most likely pick. 
if Hunter Green's not there. Um, and then Royce Lewis, I would imagine they've got a pretty good look at him, being that he's only you know an hour and a half up the road in, in Orange County. But he's a guy that's probably not going to be a shortstop and is going to be a center fielder. Uh, the last time we took a center fielder in the oh, uh, no. third pick in the draft, that worked oh. out well. So, I mean, why not do it again? Yeah. Uh, just hopefully that this one doesn't find a taste for uh, synthetic marijuana. But uh, no, like you know, Royce Lewis, from what I've read, is is a pretty good prospect as well. But I think for me, and it's probably my own personal bias, is I I always want to see uh, a pitcher just because I, I just. I don't know. I just feel like pitcher, a, a pitcher like Green would just be a great, a great thing to. The, the thing with Green too, and I guess it's kind of a stupid reason for wanting him aside from the talent. But I think the, the fans like you, yourselves and I like see this Padres team, and we watched in a vacuum. Where that means, like you guys talked about last night, hey, the Padres got smashed by eight runs, but Hunter Renfro hit two home runs. <laughs> I think that's kind of the way you have to watch Padres baseball. But you have that sector of the fan base who just looks at everything and wins and losses and you know thinks that the Padres suck and that this team is terrible and they should fire everybody because they're you know 24 and 40 or whatever they are Hunter Green is a guy that has some name recognition has the Sports Illustrated article is a guy that even I think even the most casual fans have probably heard the name he's a guy that I think if you brought him in and he's a guy that you kind of said this is one of the reasons why we are intentionally I mean, Tanking is stupid, and tanking, if you think that tanking is good, then you're an idiot, clearly, but that was sarcasm. Um, yeah. Yes, I know. Thanks, <laughs> thanks Rich Herrera. I want to make that clear that yeah. before we start a debate. No, yes. like, that's a guy that I feel like you can sell to your fan base, and not that they should be drafting players because of that, but I think that's kind of one of the added bonuses if, if Hunter Green did fall to them. Yeah, you know, I, and and you you touch on as well uh, baseball America. I saw their mock as well, and they had Hunter Green falling to three to San Diego. Which I mean, you said that you don't see it. I don't see it either. Um, but that's what Baseball America is saying. So what I want to know is, uh, you, Kevin Charity, Mad Friars, what do you see the first top three picks uh, playing out? How do you see it playing out? Um, if you put a gun to my head and told me to pick, I'd say that the the, the Twins are going to go Kyle Wright. I think that Hunter Green is going to go to the Reds. Because um, there's been some rumors that he would not like to be drafted by the Reds. He wants to pull an Eli Manning and, and not go there. I don't think it's maybe not that extreme, but he doesn't, you know, he really wants to go to the Twins or the Padres. They have similar throwing programs that he's on, and obviously going to the number one, but, you know, having the number one pick is, or being the number one pick is, is pretty appealing. I mean, the Reds, if they offer him full slot, which is, I think, $6.7 million or whatever it is for that, he's not going to turn that down. Um, he'd be stupid to go to UCLA or even if he went to junior college for a year and turn down that kind of money. That's just dumb. Um, so then you go to the number three pick. I think if I had to bet, I think that the Padres are going to go Mackenzie Gore if, if Green's not there. If Green's there, then I think he's the guy. But I think Mackenzie Gore is, is going to be the guy that they go with. I think he fits what they're trying to do. I know they've seen him a lot. They seem to like him. So he, if I was guessing, he'd go there. And then if he kind of went beyond the top five, I think McKay goes probably to Tampa. And then from there, I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's where Royce Lewis goes. I've seen him in some walks slipping all the way to like eight or nine. Uh, but, yeah, Hunter Green is a guy that I'm I'm going to watch the draft on Monday with my fingers crossed the Reds decide to go in a different direction just because I, I really – I 
misused by his. I mean, a guy is it's eighteen thirty throwing one hundred and two that would be a first round pick as a shortstop. I mean, that's kind of a a special talent that I think that if he gets added to the system, he instantaneously becomes the number one prospect in the system. That's probably a top twenty or twenty five um, prospect. It, it, he would be the guy that I'd want for sure, but I don't think it's going to happen. Neither do we, but it would be awesome if it did. I do agree. I do think uh, Mackenzie Gore will be the pick. He fits that uh, you know, high upside, high ceiling, high risk uh, type of player that they've uh, been getting lately, so I think we can all agree on that, but uh, that'll about wrap it up, Kevin. I do want to thank you very much uh, for your time. We appreciate it, and we're very pleased, and uh, we feel honored to have you as our first guest. Uh, do you want to go ahead and drop uh, the website and your Twitter handle so our fans can listen to you? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, madfriars.com. Uh, again, most of the stuff is free. Uh, some of the stuff does require subscription. It's pretty cheap. So I personally think, and I'm not just saying this because I, I write for the site, but I think the coverage is worth it. You're going to get lots of interviews with and, and, and perspective with that you're not going to necessarily get. Um, the storm and the missions really aren't covered in a paper outside of us. Uh, John will actually be in El Paso this weekend, I believe. Um, so you'll get more first-hand coverage. Uh, we've already been to Fort Wayne and San Antonio this year, so this will be the second trip to El Paso. Once the draft rolls around, we'll have some coverage there. So uh, it's, it's definitely something that's, that's worthwhile. Um, I, I personally, and again, it's my own bias coming in, but I think we have the best minor league coverage in on the Internet in for the system. Um, and if you want to follow me, it's Kevin underscore charity. Uh, so go there. I could always use more followers. So why not <laughs> be my friend? I, I need I need your approval. He'll even Please. take the porn bot followers. Yes. Yeah, and I, and I even, yeah, I'll take those because it just, it makes, it pads that number. I mean, I don't buy my followers, but if, if, if it's the porn bot, that's fine. <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I generally follow people back. So if you want to follow me, give me a, Give me a follow, uh, and yeah. Also, what I want you to remember when you're a big, t- uh, big time uh, baseball America writer, Dave and Jeff may have mentioned you on the podcast, but you remember who had you on first, you fruit. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. I, I feel like you provide a lot of insight. He for did. The, uh, he did. I felt like we were going to get a ton of insight, but I have to say I'm very pleasantly pleased with uh, how much we got. Um, but uh, that'll about do it, guys. So we do appreciate you guys listening in. Again, follow me at 5.5Dan on Twitter, Eric at, uh, at MiserableSDFan. Uh, we're on Google Play, iTunes, and AmericasFinestDigitals.com. Is that the... AmericasFinestDigital.com. Yes, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud. We are all there. Tell a friend if you like what you hear. Good stuff. Again, from uh, Kevin. Uh, very, uh, very appreciative of his time there. And uh, our first ever guest, I feel like it went well. What, what do you think? I think it went really well. We're going to definitely have to have Kevin on a little bit later on this year. We'll probably bring him in for the trade deadline. I think that'd be a good fit. Yeah. yeah and also, um, other things going on here. Like, if, if you have a topic that you want us to cover, if you want to tweet either one of us, uh, let us know. We'd be happy to do that. Um, also, if you want to. Um, harass Mark Grant. I think that's a guess I really want before the end of the, end yes. of the season. So if you guys want to harass Mark Grant, let him know that uh, he, he needs to come here uh, on, on our show so uh, he can grace us with his presence. I think that would be amazing. But As would I. Anyway, so uh, that's, that's it for this week, guys. We'll check in next week. And uh, next week we will have a draft. We'll be able to go over the pick, you know, who they picked. Hopefully less wins for the Potters. Maybe they'll put towards that five-win uh, package. Maybe they'll put that to rest. I highly doubt it, but uh, either way, we'll check in with you next week. We're out of here.